1: This is episode 34 with Davis Wynn.
0: Welcome
1: to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. <laughs> Welcome everybody. Today I have with me Davis Nguyen uh, and he has an interesting background. He's going to talk about this amazing thing that he's doing this year of 2015 and uh, welcome to the show, Davis.
0: Thank you. It's such an honor to be here.
1: Uh, Well, the honor is truly mine. Um, Why don't you give us a little bit more about your background and uh, we can go from there.
0: So When I I usually tell people I go to Yale or they hear that I go to Yale, one of two things will come to their mind. One, my parents were super rich and could afford for me to go to Yale. Mm -hmm. Or two, I must be some sort of super genius who got into Yale. But the truth is that, as much as I wish one of those were true, neither of them are. So before coming to Yale, I grew up in one of the poorest areas of Atlanta. To give you a context, I grew up with my mom. She's disabled. She raised my little brother and me on food stamps. And the kind of community I had, there weren't many role models. So one of my best friends said that his goal was just to live to see 18. So the type of community we grew in, the crime rate, the teen pregnancy, the drug bust, those things just no longer fazed me by the time I was 18. And the type of school I went to, we were called the worst school district in the U.S. because in 2009 we became the first school district to lose our accreditation. So basically it meant that the United States education system thought that we were so bad that the people coming out of our school our diploma shouldn't have been worth anything, not even a seal of approval. Wow. And just through a lot of hard work, a lot of determination, having a goal, working towards it every day, and forming the type of relationships that were meaningful for me to help me through that process, There's the only reason that I'm able to be here today.
1: Yeah, you know, your mom sounds like an amazing woman of strength. You know, you said she was disabled and she managed to raise all of you, um you know, in an environment that wasn't enabling you to succeed really. I mean, I mean, you guys lost your accreditation. You talk about people considering successes living up to 18 years old. And, uh, and you know, your mom was able to, to you know, fight through whatever disabilities she had and still be, a, you know, a paragon of, uh, or a model for you. So, um, yeah, I think it's a testament to, to you both uh, for you to come out of that neighborhood and say, I want to do something positive. And then for your mom to obviously be, one of the backbones for you. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you were talking about it there, the neighborhood you had, you know, it was one of those, uh, you know, you hear the stories a lot in in some projects where people grow up and then the only way they can survive is crime or, you know, something else that's less than educational. Why did you think that you wanted to do something different from that?
0: Good Good question. question. So So every day when when I would, And I would hear sounds, and you weren't sure what they were, or starting out maybe there was a gun. And for a lot of my friends, we didn't really see a way out, as in crime just seemed to be one of those things. As in, you can make more money doing underground things than you could working at the neighborhood McDonald's, which was apparently, unfortunately, local shops, local places like that, that paid minimum wage. And for me, when I woke up and saw that, I realized my mom was disabled, so she didn't work and we had to live off. So it's me, my great-grandma also stayed with us. None of them worked. It was pretty much whatever welfare we had at that month or whatever amount of food stamps. So once the food stamps ran out, that was it for the month. And I remember just waking up some days and I wasn't sure if there would be electricity in the house. Some days I would have to go to school without a shower. Some days I didn't eat breakfast before I went to school. I went to school hungry and had to just study and work until lunchtime. And I ask myself, is this the type of life that I want for myself? Is this the type of life I want my mom to continue living? And is this the type of life I want my children, my wife to have? Is this the type of man I want? So every morning I would just up and even if I couldn't see what was in front of me because the lights were out, I would always ask myself, one, what kind of person do I want to be? And two, is the type of things I'm doing today going to get me closer to the type of man I want to be? And if not, why am I doing it? And that I eliminated crime or doing anything that, was, that would have gotten me into trouble or worse, death. And just having that motivation, knowing that I wanted to go take the educational route or just to prove to myself that some little kid who has the worst academic background in some crime-ridden neighborhood in the south side of Atlanta could actually make it. I realized that I could make a difference in the lives of other people. I could have been, I could have been a role model that I grew up wishing I had to many of the younger students who are in my area. So every time I fly back to my home in Atlanta, I always set out a day where I go into the community and I visit all the schools I attended and schools I didn't attend or people who have heard of me. And I would just give a talk about what it's like. As in, you might grow up in this neighborhood thinking that teen pregnancies, dropout rates, and these kind of environments are what you can aspire to. But there's life outside of our community. And if you're willing to work for it, you'll be able to see a world outside of the ones that you've narrowly known your whole life. So that's pretty much my motivation is I wanted to be a role model for my little brother, for the people around me, and for for my wife who seemed to be someday and (laughs) my did someday. And just to be able to have a stable life where I can give my mom those things that I know she deserves from raising me and my little brother all those years.
1: You know, I mean, that's so amazing because one of the things that I want to pull from what you said is that you have that ability to to look at the situation for what it was, right, and then see that there's more. Um, a lot of times when people, you know, say uh, I've had this difficult situation, this is what life has dealt me. I mean, I just look at your situation; life yeah. dealt you a huge blow, but you were able to say. There's so much better after this, and why not me? And, you know, the premise of this this media platform is use your difference to make a difference, and that's essentially what I'm trying to promote around, um, you know, the world is that no matter what circumstance you are, no matter how different you are, no matter how whatever, you know, the narrative seems to have been spoken about you, there's always a way if you're willing to dig deep and actually push through, right? So you don't have to be born into civil sport. I mean, I've, yeah, there are many stories when you know, you always, I always had to hustle just to get to where I am and, you know, to pay school fees or to, to go through some of the stuff that you're saying, but, um, you know, coming from, you know, countries that I grew up in, you, you always were able to see the different, the disparity of poverty levels. And, um, and the people that came out of these situations will always had that one thing that you have, which is that ability to, to see past their environment and, uh, and really just work towards a goal, you know? And, uh, and, you know, I think that's, that's really good. I was going to ask you how you use your difference to make a difference, but um, I think you essentially answered that with that <laughs> question. Um, okay, so let's go to to Yale. Um, why, why Yale? Um, talk to me about that journey. Um, you're Atlanta, uh, and you know Yale's in Connecticut. But what what was that journey like? You know, you took the, the was it? I imagine SATs.
0: So just to give you some context, so everything is going to be in terms of context. You know, making a difference, using a difference is all about context and where you are. So to just give you a little bit more, so in my school, we do have a ca- office. The problem is that most of the time it's spent keeping students from dropping out. So pretty much you're catering to the people who are on the margins. So for those who are likely to succeed or could have done more with their lives, there's not much resources. I remember going to my counseling office and asking if there were any scholarships, and they said, oh, well, we actually don't keep anything. And I was pretty disappointed. It was early on in my career in high school and I knew immediately that my school even if the teachers cared they I still needed to push myself a little bit. So the journey to Yale was actually through a journey through Harvard of all schools. <laughs> and I mentioned that half up every morning, I would ask myself those two questions. Every morning on my wall I would have a poster of Harvard, so Harvard University. That's actually where I wanted to go since I was in third grade. It was because I felt like Harvard was the highest standard I heard, and I figured one of my favorite quotes is, aim for the moon, if you miss, you'll land among the stars. So I figured, why aim low? Aim high, and if I miss, I'll still go to college, which is a lot better than my peers. Yeah. So I was a professor, and figured out, what do I need to do? And it really boiled down to three things. Uh, during my junior year of high school, I discovered this website called College Confidential, which shifted the way that I viewed so my neighborhood, I mentioned, are people who don't look at college as an option. And if they do, it's usually a two-year, a military, or most people will drop out before they finish. And that's pointing. So one day, I was just doing this site called College Confidential. And then I saw all these people, perfect SAT score, these national awards, essays. And I was like, wow, these people exist. It's a lot of them. There's more than just one out of 100 or 1,000, I thought, and three things, Started researching about what I needed to get into a place like Harvard, and one I needed a high SAT score. So the SAT is a test between between the scores of 600 and 2400. 2400 being the max, and I think it was about 2200. Harvard is about 2200 as well. But the problem is that my high school district was around 800 to 1100. The national average is 1500. So imagine the disparity there. and. I didn't have much better than my school average at the time. The second thing I needed to do was fund my way through Yale and Harvard. So Harvard costs about a quarter of a million dollars to attend. And I realized, wow, I cannot afford that. My mom definitely cannot take a loan out for that. So even if I did get in magically, I still needed to figure out a way to fund it. And the third thing was that I didn't feel my writing was as beautiful as some of these students who had people who professionally edited their essays or just were just – people who wrote all the time or had the free time to write. Right. So, I had to figure out how to navigate that circumstance. So, I'll start with the SAT. So, the SAT is a test you take and you, you do as well as you prepare. So, I couldn't afford the 3,000, 4,000 summer courses for SAT prep. So, what I did was, I went on the College Confidential site and I must have sent out about 100 messages to people on the site. So, if you go to their if you go on the site, there are many forums where people talk about their journey to Princeton, MIT, wherever their school was, and I would see all these messages, the people replying back to the thread. The problem was that there were so many people asking for help that no one got noticed. So I, re- I realized, wait, why not just send them a private message to their user account? Or better yet, if they have an email, why not email them? Right. So I figured if I replied to their thread, I would get probably no response. But if I sent an email or if I... Sent them a private message to their account, perhaps I'll be successful. And since I was saying 100, I figure at least one will reply back. So I ended up sending 100-something, and I got a couple back. And they each recommended the, an SAT prep program. I didn't tell them that I couldn't afford it, but I asked if there was a syllabus I could look over. So I would look over the curriculum and reverse engineer what, it, what the course was teaching. So I would buy the books on my own and figure out what, what their methodology for attacking an SAT was. And of course, it would take me twice as long because it's one thing to know calculus, but it's another thing to try to teach yourself calculus without yeah. a teacher. So I reverse-engineered the syllabus and bought the books. The books I couldn't buy that were out of my range, I would just figure out a way. If I had to hustle my way through a library that was in the state, I would somehow figure out if my my personal library could somehow work out a deal with them to get the book, and I would just walk to my library like a mile or two and just get the book. And so I got the books that way and spent my whole summer just prepping the SAT, ended up raising my score just that summer alone. I worked out about four hours a day for three months every day, Saturday, Sunday included. And I was able to just increase my score from around the national average, about 1,600, raised it to around the Yale average, which is about 2,200. So it wasn't spectacular, but I made a lot of progress, and I realized if I did have that test prep, maybe I would have gotten those extra two hundred. But I was pretty proud for what I did. Wait, wait.
1: that wasn't spectacular. That was amazing. You oh, thank you. Me? That's a, that's the definition you. of hustling right there. You reversed <laughs> engineered the course by getting the curriculum.
0: By reading the curriculum, I got enough of those, and then get the books. That was the that was probably the hardest part. Was one of the books were about two hundred dollars. It's like holy crap, can I afford this? But luckily, I found a library in the middle of nowhere who had it, and then through a chain of library um, exchanges was able to get it. So my SAT was covered through that. The second thing um, was figuring out how to get the financial aid. So this is where I was most lost because I had no database to so start with. I didn't even know how to apply, what a FAFSA was. I had no clue how to apply for a scholarship. So I did what I do best, which is fail. So So I would just find scholarships online and then I would apply for them regardless of what they were named so for example I I applied for one called women in technology obviously did not get it but so I applied for about 120 scholarships so the way I found them was once I find one I would just google that scholarship name and then it would give me links to other scholarships very similar and then just repeat the process so basically googling a famous person that person's related to this person and keep going on like that and in the end I, I was actually rejected by more than 80 of them so 80 of them told me I was not good enough you're you're your writing was bad, your interview was bad, your scores are bad, your school, I don't think your school prepared you well enough for college, your money's going to get lost, and I was pretty disappointed. But with every rejection, I would contact the judges, the people who reject me, and ask them if I can get feedback. Most of the time, I actually did get feedback, and I even reached out to the winners, if that was published on the website, and asked them if I can get feedback on my essay. And it was through that iterative process that I was able to improve my writing my interview skills, and just my overall package, the type of story I told. So eventually about 32 organizations decided, Davis Swin, you're you're worth funding, and we're going to fund you. So I ended up with more money than I needed to go to Yale and Harvard. Actually I ended up, uh, which is a funny story, I ended up giving a lot of it back because after a certain point. The money doesn't really do anything, so I just returned it, and I remember one of my friends actually got one of the $20,000 scholarships I uh, returned, and I, I didn't tell him that, but it was actually a really happy moment when he said, guess what I got today? I was like, oh wait, I was like, that's pretty awesome. Wow. And <laughs> So that's how I um, did the scholarships, which is do a lot of failure. As In at in my house, I keep a wall of all my rejections just to remind myself that I already have 80 rejections plus one more, and just to uh, <laughs> remind myself to keep going. No,
1: <laughs> I, I do the same thing. I have a, a rejection box that I, have, I put on there. Dude, we're, we're, we're so, yeah, so cause I, awesome. Cause, yeah, because I, you know, I was going through some similar things. I remember applying to jobs, internships, and stuff like that before there. And it's always interesting as an international student to get that. And I got 80 to 90 rejections. <laughs> and then I, I was so deflated. I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Everybody's saying I'm not good enough.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I totally get that feeling, yeah. it's just, it's so, but you know, we're both in really good places. Yeah, and, yeah. Anyway. But you know, it's, actually the funniest rejection I got was the last um, the last thing I did, which was, I mentioned my writing skills weren't as good as they could have been. Yeah. So, uh, what I did was, at the time I wanted to go to Harvard and Yale, and so I decided, what better students to review my essays than people who actually go to Harvard and Yale. So at the time, I don't have emails of any student. I don't know anyone who goes to these schools. Yeah. But I quickly discovered after just reading through articles that a Yale and Harvard email is pretty much the same. It's your first name dot your last name at your institution.edu. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, all right, great. I got the email format. Now I need some names. So I would just go on the um, newspaper, like their okay. online college newspaper. And then it's like people get cited all the time for quotes. They're writers, whatever they are. So let's, let's say I get one. One of them was Joshua Penny. So it's Joshua Penny's a good friend of mine now. And I literally just emailed him. It's like Joshua.Penny. Actually, I thought it was Josh because the newspaper called him Josh, yeah. but I figured Josh.Penny at Yale.edu backfired. So I was like, oh, it's probably Joshua. So Joshua.Penny.edu or at Yale.edu <laughs> sent him my essay and I would send like about another couple dozen, like 80 of these emails to Harvard and Yale students. Most of them are like, who's this random kid emailing me? So my email would get ignored, but some of them. The ones who did reply gave me so much fear, more than I thought. I thought some of them were just going to give me typos, but one girl actually told me, your essay kind of sucks. I think you should actually restart. And I ended up restarting it, sent her another revision of a new essay I did, and that was the one I submitted. And she ended up just, she was like, she told me, I was like, wow, I'm in tears reading this. And finally, that's the same essay that got me into Yale and Harvard. And just through that process of reaching out to people and not being afraid of failure, that. It got me to where I am. And in the end, I did get into Yale and Harvard. My community made it a big deal, it was like very festive and things because, wow, you never really hear of anyone who goes to a place like Yale and Harvard. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I had a choice. It was Yale and Harvard. I knew I wanted to go to Harvard since I was eight. And it was what, I was, what was driving me, the poster that was in my room. But then I visited the two campuses and I would have been happy at Harvard, but there was just something about the Yale environment that is just the people and I just felt like I belonged. And in the end, that's how I ended up choosing to go to Yale and complete my college years at Yale.
1: No, well done to you. I mean, you know, the thing that, that I learned from you, I'm, I'm just amazed by the story. <laughs> to be honest, it's never give up, always think outside the box. And, you know, the, that, there's so much to get from that is when you're saying use your difference to make a difference by understanding different cultures or just learn how to think differently, right? That's exactly mm-hmm. what this is. And it's, there's always a way. Um, I remember... I uh, I couldn't pay my last school fees, right? And then I, I basically went to the admission office and I, I told them, um, "Here's the deal. I have twenty thousand to pay. I don't have the money, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but we'll figure out. You know, I can work with you to figure out a way. You know, um, I can give you twenty hours to work for it, and then I'm going to make a case for myself why I deserve a certain scholarship. And then I'll, I'll work my hardest to pay the balance. And then I, I ended up getting 12000 Oh, wow. 12,000. But it was, I remember when I first got that, because this is my last semester, right? So mm. I was like, oh gosh, I, I can't, I'm not going to graduate. I'm not going to graduate <laughs> and I really don't have any money right now. Uh, and what can I do? But it's, it's always that moment where you're desperate and you can either do one or two things. You can either just fold and give up. And that's the easiest easiest thing to do and you can start feeling pity for yourself and start saying but you you just you took it to a whole different level reverse engineering figuring out emails i mean asking for feedback i it is that is amazing and and i think it's it's great that they they made a big deal out of it but um obviously now you're coming up to your is this your last semester this is my last semester last semester what why don't you talk to me about this big thing that you're doing in 2015
0: right so in In 2015, so I started a little at the end of 2014, um, I was at a conference at the World Domination Summit, and I was just, so the World Domination Summit is a weekend conference in Portland, Oregon, where some of the most brilliant entrepreneurs, writers, and just Backpackers, travelers, these world changers meet for one weekend. So in our circles, we're called weirdos, but there it's the norm. Right. And it's just being surrounded by people who are just doing things that hustling, doing things that were changing the world. And during there, I finally met some of the people I've always read online. So I read like people like Jaw Jang, who's known for his 100 Days of Rejection. There's Scott Dinsmore, who Live Your Legend. And I met all these incredible people who were doing things that I looked up to during my time at Yale. And I thought, wow, I want to have dinner. I want to get to know these people. So when they were giving talks, after they gave talks, I would just walk up on stage and just introduce myself ask them to dinner and then just be, and long story short, many of them are my friends now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, All at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... A couple of the other conference attendees saw that I was doing it. They were like, oh, are you some kind of famous blogger I've never heard of, writer, entrepreneur? I was like, no, no, I'm just a regular student. And they're like, whoa, but, you, but he just – wait, Scott Dismore just high-fived you out of nowhere. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I high-fived him back too. And they were like, how do you do this? As in – I. so by the end of the weekend, I – probably had a contact list of about 30 to 40 people I used to just imagine one day meeting. And here I was meeting with them and just planning events with them for the future. And so a couple of the people who went to World Domination Summit asked me, how do you do that? How do you have the audacity just to reach out to people and people you look up to? And I remember back to when I was in high school and the type of fear I used to have sending those first emails. So then, who am I to spam somebody's inbox? And I realized I wasn't spamming. I was actually doing something that, was productive for both sides. So for 2015, I decided to uh, reach out to one of my role models every week. So every week, I will pick someone who I look up to. For example, a couple weeks ago, I looked up, I reached out to Nicholas Sparks, who is uh, the famous author of the Nicholas Notebook. I love Nicholas
1: Sparks. Look, like, like, okay, <laughs> okay, look. I know it's a little weird for God to admit it, but I don't care. I go to. Dude, the, I love it. I, I love
0: reading the Notebook. I, I, I the, just, not,
1: the Notebook. You can't. The Notebook. Walk to remember. I go to Nicholas Sparks movies every year by myself really? oh
0: my gosh no me too me too oh man next <laughs> time we're in new york we're, we're gonna do this we're gonna do this i mean
1: i'm not everybody listening right now just dropped up but still, still <laughs> but it is so true i mean i have not found any other any other guy that's like nicholas sparks are you kidding me i am he, a writes, he's, be-
0: he he's beautiful he's a beautiful writer he exactly. his movies are great i was like oh my gosh, that's, you know, that's the, such a another name.
1: writer i like that's like that is john green um he, he does the same um it's something he did uh, what's that
0: movie with the Woodley? Five and a half stars. Our oh, cool. stars. Great movie. Watched that by myself too. Oh, I, watched
1: that, I watched that. by myself twice.
0: I read, said, I, I could have driven up to Rochester. Oh man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> right. Before that?
1: before, no. before we, we get carried away. <laughs> so you you reach out to Nicholas Sparks. I can't believe I just
0: that. so I so would reach out to Nicholas Sparks and um reach and I would every week I would figure I would reach out to someone who I look up to and figure out a way for me to get in front of them. So it could be something by going through their assistant, it could be going through their agent, as uh, I did with Nicholas Sparks, or it could just be code emailing them. But every week I pick a role model, why I look up to them, and I walk the re- my readers through the process of how I figure out how to craft a message, how I get their contact information, and how I just send a message that will get read or increase my chances of getting read. So for example, During Christmas, I reached out to uh, Professor Adam Grant at Wharton. So Adam Grant is the best-selling author of the book Give and Take, one of my favorite books about about how the power of generosity brings you success. Mm -hmm. And so the guy, the challenge was that Adam gets about a couple hundred emails a day. And he, every time you send him an email, you get an auto-reply saying, Dear reader, thank you. I get hundreds of emails. I can't read everything, but thank you for reading. So, Support me, and my challenge was I want to get my email read. So I figured out, I tried to figure out what it is that I could have done with my resources that would help him. So every every week I enter is like, how can I help this person become become more successful at what they're doing? So for Adam, I've noticed he didn't have a infographic for his book Give and Take. Other authors I've noticed have these beautiful infographics, and because I wanted to share his book, I didn't. And I know my some of my friends are so busy they won't read the whole book, so I would send them an infographic. I decided I two years ago I decided to just self-teach myself Photoshop just for fun. So I self so I do Photoshop on the side. So I decided to just create an amateur version of an infographic. Not the best work in the world, but it was something. And I decided to send it to him. And beyond that, most photoshoppers, people who create infographics, they tend to send a the image but hold back the source file. So the files that actually you can tweak the design. Yeah. And and they usually hold that kind of like at ransom until the person pays and then they'll give you the source file. Sure. And so I decided, I'll screw it. I'm just gonna give them the source file. So I send them send them the source file and send them the infographic. I said, use it as you may, I have the rights are yours. I just thought it was fun. And he immediately just sent it to his design team to work on, to improve the design. And then we got a conversation going. And that was a pretty magical moment. So these are things that I do every week, just to reach out to people who are doing the things that I want to do with my life. So people who are entrepreneurs, writers, people who are motivational speakers, people like yourself, who are just, as you said, using your different to make a difference in the world. And every week I try to target one of these people and walk people through the process of how I do it. So I commit all my failures, all my hours of Googling and reaching nothing and all the successes I have, all the replies, all the autographs I get, all the meals, all the dinners I somehow get an invitation to. I walk people through it. And the message is that I want people to believe that it doesn't matter where you come from, it's about where you're going. And if you have that drive, that motivation and you just want a better life for yourself and you want to keep going, you keep working towards it somehow the universe just conspires to make it happen.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I, and um you know that the power I'm reminded by that Thomas Edison story, you know, when he was creating the light bulb. 10,000 failures and yeah. uh, that perseverance to continue to do it and then he just said he found, you know, 10,000 ways not to do it. You know, and and that's what always whenever you say, you know, you do what you do best fail is that like that failing is just another another way for you to know what not to do. Um, so that's that's amazing that you do that. I, I'm curious about when so when you reached out to him about the infographic, what was the subject line? Because that's also another way that people get um, you know notice emails. And I'm always curious what the best subject line is.
0: Ah, uh, good good question, man. You 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 really yeah. ask a question. So <laughs> I actually cover subject lines in my blog as well in great detail. So in in that case, the email I sent to Adam. I just said, so Adam is a giver, as in his book is all about giving. Right. So I said, something I would love to give to you. And I was just I left it three things. So three things I established. One, I re- I established that the email was a benefit for him. So basically, it had nothing to do with me because I was going back through other people's attempts to email him. And usually it's about, hey, I have a problem. Can you help me with this? So my email was about something for him. But second, I left my Subject title vague, inner purpose, so as in, what am I giving you? I was like, he's reading it, I'm thinking, well, what does this guy have to give me? I was like, I'm curious, I'm going to click on it. And the third thing, I kept it short and to the point. So I find that the best subject lines are things that do those three things. Short, so it has to be short and to the point. It should have a benefit to the person who's going to read it. And third, it should arouse some kind of curiosity. And okay. then I want to click this just to find out where this is headed. So one of my most successful headlines is actually really simple. It's two words. It's thank you. Wow. And you'd be amazed. And then my click rate for thank you is probably the highest. As in, if, for them, if you got an email today that said thank you for someone that you never met, it's like you're wondering, it's like, oh, did I do something? i like, <laughs> Click on it. And then the, so the subject line gets you read, very similar to how a newspaper headline gets you to read the first lines. And then the message itself, as long as you have a lot of value into it, the rest of it will get read as well.
1: Wow. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. and and it's, uh, I'm definitely going to – I mean, I've been going through your, your blog and I was reading and I think it's it's always interesting because, you know, for the podcast and whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm going through different ways to reach out to people and, you know, as, as you can imagine, you get a high rejection rate sometimes and then the more you start to do it, people start referring themselves to you. But I remember initially when I started, you know, I was always struggling with that. So I think that's good to hear. Um, and I made a lot of the mistakes that you're saying. I would write – A lot of the huge things, and then uh, you know it would be a big deal. But um, all right, so okay, so um, now we've talked about you know what you do right now. Where's the site? How can we find out about what you're doing? Right. So,
0: thank you. So, the website is clickwithanyone dot com, and so that's simple. Just clickwithanyone dot com. And I update it every Tuesday. My failures, my successes, any lessons i learned. I think the most important things are lessons. As in, I. I've gotten my share of rejection, but every week, every time I get a rejection from someone I'm trying to contact, similar to, I'm pretty sure you learn, is that you learn how to be a better person at reaching out, as in, you learn, you really do learn through failure.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not anywhere near as good as you, but I've learned, oh. a, lot, I learned a lot from what you're just saying right now, because I, mm. I remember, I was just making, I used to write some long messages, like, hey, I love, mm. you know, and I, I would say what I meant, but yeah, I could just imagine that they get probably hundreds of those. And that you know want to get through that. So um, no, I'm definitely uh, definitely a fan. Um, So how would you describe yourself as an entrepreneur or a writer or you know what would you say you are?
0: I would describe myself. I would love to be a all those things you mentioned. But the best part of myself is I'm just a student of life. Every day I just look for ways that I can make the most out of my life.
1: Love it, love it, love it. It Since you're very into role models, what do you think? Why do you think it's important? For the youth today to have role models, and uh, where can they find role models, really, especially people in bad communities?
0: Ah, good question. Wow, you have really good questions. (laughs) And so it goes back to my story of when I grew up in my community and I didn't have role models. When I look back at the my peers and people who who turn to crime or people who don't quite go to college or make anything of their lives and they're stuck in this vicious cycle of poverty. The one thing is that they never have a role model to look up to. So like me, most people live with their mom or a single parent who probably is working or absent at the time and the people around you you are in the same cycle. So I I truly believe that the type of people, the type of person you become is a huge product of the type of people you surround yourself with. Mm. And having those role models, people I looked up to, who went to college, those people I found on College Confidential, and people who were outside of my neighborhood, gave me hope that there is people out there who are doing these amazing things, and I could learn from them, and I could slowly shape my life to become the type of person I am by trying to find the people who are already doing the things I want to do. So one of the things I learned in college is that the quickest way to get something done is to surround yourself with people who are already doing it. Because those people truly motivate you and they take the I can't, I won't, I don't know out of you and they force you to do it because by example they're doing it. And I think that's why it's so great to have role models that especially if you come from a community that's less than ideal and even as you grow up. In college, one of my role models was a guy named Keith Ferrazzi. So, Keith Ferrazzi wrote this book called Never Eat Alone, which is one of my favorite books. I love that and, book. love book, right? Yeah. And Keith talks about the power of relationships. And immediately after the second chapter, I knew that Keith and I had had to meet. As in, this was someone I wanted to be when I grew up. So, Keith's a entrepreneur. He's a best-selling writer. He's a motivational speaker. But most of all, he's a philanthropist. He creates all these projects all over the world. And he's very humble about it. And so, when you have a role model, I looked up to Keith, as in, Keith had done, done the things that I wanted to do, and just looking up to him, I can see that someone's done it, so it's actually possible to do it. And I remember wanting to meet him, so I tried to figure out how to meet him, and the process took about five, actually nine months before I met him. And the process was, I found a non that he started near my campus, and I started to... I just kept sending emails to the director that I wanted to be part of it, as in they wouldn't take people who weren't already a part of it, right. so I ended up working at the nonprofit for about five months and <laughs>
1: … You're so resourceful, and, man. You're so resourceful. Sorry. Got to
0: figure out a way, right? <laughs> and Then, at the end of my five months, I ended up running it. I became the student leader who ran it and I made a list. every day I would make a list of things I thought could improve and I didn't have keys to email, I didn't have anything. So he, had, he did have a website that links over to his general account. I'm, I was pretty sure it would go to probably his assistant or someone who reads his email. But I just wanted to send it anyway. So the person who runs the nonprofit nationally, so I sent an email to her. And I just had all these suggestions about how the program could be improved. And how, because I knew Keith wanted to take it, expand it even further to other parts of the United States. So I ended up sending him a list of suggestions, like, these are things that were going well in New Haven, these are things that weren't going so well, this is why I, imp- why I suggest improving to make it better and expand it. So in the end, maybe, I do the even forgot I sent the email, but a month later, the person I sent it to forwarded it to Keith, and, and right before Christmas, so a little more than a year ago, Keith, one day, keeps sending me an email, so very terse. he says, I have 30, 23 minutes before I get on the phone tomorrow. We're getting on the phone. So, <laughs> it was like, that's terse. And I was like, wow, okay. So, I got on the, I cleared my schedule because I had no clue where, when he was calling. He said he gave me a range, so I cleared myself that schedule. And he did end up calling me exactly tw- for 23 minutes we talked. And, I, and he said, all right, so I noticed you listed this. Why did you list this? I thought this was going well. And it was just back and forth. I was very honest about what I saw on the ground. And in the end, it's like, I like you. So, you know, kid, I like you. Like, what are you doing for spring break? And I said, Well, I was planning on studying for my exam. And he's like, All right, kid, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna introduce you to my one of my project managers. He's gonna set you up an internship. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but get yourself out to LA, and you're gonna live and work with me for a month, for a week. Wow. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, if hmm, all right, <laughs> I did not expect it. And of course, at the time, my bank account is pretty much zero. <laughs> so I, I was like, Oh man. Okay, so I just had an opportunity to work with my robot. I can't afford to buy a ticket. Oh boy. What am I going to do here? Okay. Uh, oh boy, Davis. So I decided to uh, figure out what Keith was doing with the nonprofit. And I found a psychology teacher at my school who had a project he wanted to work on. And I knew Keith's people back in LA could actually work on a project with me. So I told Keith, hey, I actually. I think I have, could I use some of the time when I work with you to work on this side project, I'll find my way. He's like, whatever, as long as you get whatever I need to get done, you can do whatever you want on your side. So the professor ended up paying for my way, my ticket. Wow. And so I ended up doing that, did his project on top of Keith's project. Got to live, meet, just work with Keith for a whole week, and I figured out why he was so successful, why I looked up to him. The guy works nonstop, probably 16 hours a day, 7 days a week, we were just up and running at, 6 a.m., just going and working out, and then starting at the office, and then just go working until dinner time. After dinner time, more work then going to bed, and just rinse and repeat. And it was just an amazing week, living out with my role model, the person I look up to, who, for me, a little more than a year ago, so a year and a half ago, he was nothing but an author I looked up to. But now, I text him pretty much every month, and I tell him what's going on in my life. He tells me what's going on in his life. And his responses are as cursed as ever, as in he's so busy. But just being knowing that I have someone, if I had a question, like an older brother to look up to, if I had a question, it's just an amazing resource. And it's totally worth the journey, as in the message I want to tell you, tell everyone who's listening is that remember where I came from as in no I, sh- I shouldn't be able to do all these things given my background, given the statistics about where I came from but the fact is, if you really truly believe that you want this, if you want this more than you want anything else in the world and you work for it you're gonna figure out a way and once, similar to you, title when you had the twenty thousand dollar debt you had two choices, you can either quit and not graduate or you can figure out a solution, in your case you figure it out and I think for many of the people listening We all are given the same 24 hours, the same resources that our bodies, our minds, externally we might not have the same resources or advantages, but with our mind, if we truly think about where our circumstances are and how we can get to where we want to be, the mind is such a beautiful thing and that the universe, I believe, does truly work towards getting you close to your goal if you truly believe in working and not giving up.
1: Well, oh, well, I mean, you just said it better. You closed out the show in an amazing way, so um, yeah, I think um, those words are definitely something that everyone should take to heart. There is no circumstance that you can overcome if you really want it bad enough. i mean it was I think it was a hip hop preacher or one of these guys says, "You gotta want it as far as you breathe." You got to yes. breathe. You got to want, want Eric yeah.
0: Thomas. Love him. Yeah. Love yeah. him. You got yeah. to want it. That's actually my background saver is Yeah,
1: exactly. I want it as
0: badly as I want to breathe.
1: Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> if you don't want it, you don't want it bad enough. You know, so he starts saying stuff like that and then I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I need to start. Yeah. I need to do it. So, um, I think you're definitely a full embodiment of that. And uh, before before we go, um, Yeah, of course. I just want to touch on two things. One thing is was it living as a how was it growing up as a you know Vietnamese American in Atlanta um, were there were there any differences or did you notice interacting with people was uh, different
0: right oh it's totally different so I am Vietnamese American and but the community I grew up in remember I told you it's uh, pretty much one of the poorest areas of Atlanta so the the people I went up to- so my community, to give you a little bit of demographic, so about eighty percent are African American, ten percent are Hispanic, three percent are white, about two two to three percent are Asian, and the rest of them six, or the rest of four percent is other. So I definitely grew up in a minority. So I remember, just growing up, that's why I know about ET, the preachers, and I was like, I went to, I went to Southern Baptist Church. Everything. I grew up. I grew up knowing more about soul food than food from Vietnam. Right? I, like,
1: I, <laughs> it's, I love it. So and then,
0: yeah. So it's, it's, I remember going to, uh, going somewhere. something and I was like, man, so my Asian, so when I went to an Asian neighborhood, the, let's say for a mapping competition, the Asians, and I would, and Asians would look at what I ordered. So I would order like Jambalaya. I love Jambalaya, by the way. <laughs> and, Every kid's are like, "What is that? Is that some kind of weird rice?" I <laughs> and then one of my one of my friends at McDavis, Davis, are like, "You're you're too black to be Asian, but you're too Asian <laughs> to be black." It's like it's weird. And then but the the pro side of it is that as as you've seen traveling through your countries is you grow you you develop a sense of awareness for the type of people outside of your own race, your own culture and you try to see their plight. So Growing up in where I grew up, as in it dealt me a lot of blows, but one of the things it did is it opened me up to the type of humanity that exists outside and there are people struggling as in their culture is a huge part of who we are as a human as a as a human race. As in without culture, we're no more than animals. Yep. So that that's what it was like growing up Vietnamese. As in I did have Vietnamese food growing up, but I can probably tell you more about black literature, black food and black music than I can about Vietnamese food, Vietnamese culture, and Vietnamese music. It's a, it's an interesting upbringing.
1: No, nah, no, I love it, and I, I think it's uh You know, I think it's you know apropos as, as you did, and you're someone that adapts naturally, and it seems like you did for sure. So it's good. All right, well, this is probably the most educational interview I've had. I can't tell you how much I've learned. <laughs> uh, it's just, and I'm actually really, really inspired by by your story, and I can't wait to get this out. So. Um, what what are you up to? Where can we find out more about you? I mean, I can see you speaking at, at conferences, headlining your own conferences, <laughs> really, uh, or summits, rather, uh, you know, like Tony Robbins does. But, um, I, you know, I'm really excited about where you're going. So, what do you have in store? I'm
0: excited Very for fun. both of us, and hopefully we will be headlining the same conferences. I'll speak at yours, you'll speak at mine, amen. and that's the goal we're working yeah. towards. Amen, amen. <laughs> If anyone wants to email me or just follow me, all my information is on my website at clickwithanyone.com. Everything's free on the website, tips about how to reach out to your role models, perseverance, and my contact information. So if anyone ever is in the area or just wants to meet and talk or just send me an email, go please go ahead and just do that. As in, I'd love to know how I can help you, your readers, your followers, your listeners, anyone. So clickwithanyone.com.
1: All right, click with anyone.com. You got it. Davis Wynn, and uh, what an amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show.
0: Yeah, well, thanks so much. much. Right. It's, it's my, my honor. honor.
1: <laughs> You've just been listening to the Asked Tall by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.